OSPO is all about connection with your customers and your team. But what if your tools could also connect? That's where Square comes in. Square for restaurants connects your front of house to your back of house, your team to their schedules, and connects new revenue streams with your marketing to reach new customers. Whether you have one location or many, Square has everything your business needs to connect your vision to reality. Learn more by visiting square.com slash restaurants. to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality, where straight-talking, ethically-minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, with today's show, we have an extremely exciting brands that are Super Cheeto and CDMX both authentic Mexican restaurants in Melbourne that are making waves for a delicious cuisine and unique brand story. Joining us are Daniel and Beatrice Panetta. I knew I'd get that wrong, didn't I? Panetta. Panetta? Panetta. Panetta. Thank you. I'll cut that out, don't worry. And an amazing duo behind this amazing venture. Together we'll dive into the secrets of their culinary success, discuss the importance of diversity and leadership in their team, and explore the role of marketing and storytelling in creating a memorable dining experience. Beatrice, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Hello. for having us. <laughs> Amazing to have you guys on, and especially because we've been talking about this for oops. Especially because we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks and having you guys on the program. We've been following each other on Instagram for a while, so it's great to have you guys on the show and share some stuff about this great brand that you have. So, Daniel, if I can start with you, what inspired the creation of Super Cheeto and to bring this authentic Mexican cuisine to the streets of Melbourne? Can you share some of the unique dishes and ingredients that you guys are doing? When did you guys start out? What year? It was 2021. Okay. So, me, my wife, my sister... Yeah, we made it happen. Awesome. So how did it actually happen though? To get yourself, your wife and your sister together yep. in a room and go, hey, we're going to start a restaurant brand. Was that a fun conversation? Or was that, <laughs> was that something you guys talked about for a long time? Like how did it come to be? Okay, so we'll rewind back a little bit. I, by trade, I was an engineer. But I had this love and passion for cooking. It's hard to pinpoint why exactly, but I just spent so much time cooking and cooking for fun. I started off with a variety of cuisines and eventually boiled down to Thai and Mexican. And then I just went ham on Mexican. And it went from cooking, learning, cooking, to me catering for friends and family, doing host house parties and things like that. And then it came to me doing like catering and stuff. And then obviously I saw the reactions of people, the happiness it brings to them and things like oh, I didn't even know this sort of food existed. What is this carnitas and these sort of tacos and stuff? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I think it was just bef- just dur- it was during COVID, actually. Yeah. yeah. I just sat down and I was like, let's do this. Like, we let's get a place. Let's just put up a Mexican place together. Serve the food that these people seem to love so much when we do our catering. Okay. That's how it started. Let me do this. It'll be slightly easier. I always like to talk about 
people's first step into the industry. Can you talk about the first time you did one of those catering gigs? What was that like? When was the first time, Beatrice? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Out of my mind, Comments? but it would have been probably 20, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow, so that early. Yeah, right. so we, we actually, it, it's called Takaria Condesa. It's also Mexican. We started it because we wanted to see what it's like. So we were cooking from home. Yeah. I, we created an Instagram account. We mm-hmm. created a website. And we were just posting videos of Daniel cooking <laughs> Mexican <Yeah>. food at <laughs> home. And people can order it on Instagram. And mm. we deliver it. Deliver to their houses. To their houses. So drive like parties. ages and yeah. ages <laughs> wow. just to make 15 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I think for a very long time, too, mm. we didn't charge any delivery fees. So we were doing it for oh. free. Yeah, <laughs> That's amazing, so good. Amazing learnings. <laughs> amazing learnings. But made jackal money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we created it because we didn't really want it to be a, a business. It wasn't for profit. I think mm. it was more of a hobby. Yeah. We wanted to learn from it. We wanted mm. them to taste the food. And I think that's where ultimately for you, mm. where you gain that confidence. Right? I guess so. Yeah. But that was our first step into hospitality and stuff. Okay. And what about your first proper catering gig? Like for people, was it outside of COVID or was it in COVID still? It was before, before COVID. COVID. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Mm. A, it was a twenty-first in Werribee. Okay, and it was a uh, an event space with a commercial kitchen. Com- kitchen, yeah. And then, yeah, they said, "Can you do it?" And well, I was like, "Yes, we can do it." <laughs> was it for people you knew, or was it not for people you knew? It was, was friends of friends or something like that. Yes, yeah. something like that. How yes. cool! Yeah, yeah. yeah that was an experience. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's a story behind that, Daniel. What is yeah. the story? Did something go wrong? Did you blow up a kitchen or? Uh, it, was some food? it was very yeah. stressful. It was very stressful. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. But it turned out fine. Mm. Yeah. But it was just, what's the main learning there? Just uh, when you write it down as a run sheet, heat this up at this time. and yep. so It doesn't always <laughs> go like that. So. <laughs> You're dealing with equipment you've never used yeah, before. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But a lot of good learning. Mm. Yeah. yeah, okay. And how did Super Cheeto start out? Because Super Cheeto was the first, right? Mm. Yeah. Of yep. what you did. And how did that come about that you guys did that restaurant? We wanted to serve... Like I said, authentic Mexican cuisine. Yep. So once me, my sister, and my wife a- agreed on that, it was just let's go out there and start looking for venues and stuff. We purchased an existing lease, and then it was just go from there. Yeah, and I think all together as a team, we sat down and we thought, what are the names? Oh, what yeah. do we want it to feel like? Mm. What are what's important to us? Mm. I think we we really wanted to create a space wherein people would feel comfortable dining in there mm. and we wanted to make sure they were having so much fun. Yeah. Because food, of course, is important. Drinks is important as mm. well, but it's the vibe, right? Mm. We want people to be excited to go to Super Cheeto. Mm. We wanted them to have an amazing time. Think of us for birthdays. Think of us for special occasions, not just an ordinary Wednesday night, for example. And then from there, we, we listed down those things that are important to us. Mm. And we every single decision then that we made mm. after that, again, went back to those core principles mm. that we had. Mm. We definitely made a business plan. You don't. You didn't just stumble <laughs> yeah, across no, it no, and then no, decide no, you're no. going to do it the next day. No, I have those clients, though. Don't <laughs> that happens. <laughs> One question I really am interested in, like when you think of, there's not a lot of venues that pop sort of pop up in Seddon, like to your experience and what you guys are doing. Like, why mm. did you decide on a place like Seddon to start off with? We were actually living in Seddon at the time, right? Mm. Um, and there was there's a funky little strip in Seddon called Charles Street. So we just go there a lot, I guess. And there's a lot of people and the demographic looked good and stuff like that. 
I think that's one of the biggest reasons why, right? Yeah, like we noticed a gap because we, yeah, we lived in Yarraville and we lived in Seddon for a while and we thought, where should we go? It's reached a point where we run out of options already. We love mm. all of the businesses there, but mm. we thought, oh, how cool would it be if we could actually open something up here? One, because mm. it's closer, home. <laughs> That's always convenient. Yeah. But also because we know the market well because we are the market, right? Yeah. Like we've mm. lived there. So yeah, so I think the gap for sure, but also even though there are a lot of Mexican restaurants in Yarraville, which is in close proximity to Seren, we still felt like there was a need for authentic, really good authentic Mexican food. Mm. That's why we decided to open it there. That's Interesting. Awesome. Can you discuss the importance of branding and storytelling? Obviously, we fell in love with each other over Instagram and, and that kind of <laughs> stuff is each other's brands. I love how you guys really talk about your team a lot. That really mm. stood out to us when we first did a post about you guys. How do you ensure the brand message sort of resonates with with your customers yeah look we it's very important to us it's how we communicate to our customers it's a story behind our brand and sharing to our audience really why we exist as well i think like i said like it's great to have amazing food great drinks and offer memorable service but what storytelling actually does is that we're able to share that to our customers like what separates us what differentiates us from the other Mexican restaurants out there. And we make sure a brand message resonates with their audience by, I think what's really important to us is by staying true to who we are consistently. There are a lot of trends out there and they keep changing mm. as well. So I think for us, ever since we opened, we knew exactly who we wanted to be. And so every, again, every decision that we make, it needs to go back to that vision and to that mission. So we want to make sure we're consistent in all channels through the service we provide, through the food and the drinks, but also, yeah, on digital channels as well. How do you differentiate what kind of Mexican do you guys actually have? Because Mexican is such a broad term now, especially Mm. last 20 years in Australia, 20 years ago, like Taco Bill used to be the one that was the only one that was really popping through. Now it's so diversified Mm. in Mexican cuisine. Like how do you make sure you're communicating what you guys are authentic to? Yeah, look, we've done a lot of we've done a lot of ways how we can communicate that to our customers. So we've done a video series, for example, on Instagram, where Daniel was speaking about how we started, what's the food, like what's the craftsmanship that goes with it. We've also invited one of our chefs, Chef Itzel, to join that video, and she was mm. speaking in Spanish. Interesting. Yeah, so we do have we managed to create video series. It's all over our website as well, and we do have events as well, where we talk to our customers, and again we share. We share what we know and we share how our food is made. Now you've got two restaurants and I want to talk about CDMX in a minute because obviously as we release this podcast, you probably would have had the next one open. So we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. But being first-time restaurant owners, what are the couple of things that are different from what you thought that would be before you opened like Super Cheeto? Especially working (laughs) with the three of you. Like I really want to delve into this Mm. dynamic if we can today because Mm. I think that's really powerful Mm. in a family business, like Mm. how you can make that work and be really successful as you guys Mm -hmm. are doing. But yeah, what are the couple of things that really surprised you in owning a business together? I rapidly learned that you can't do everything on your own. I also learned that it's really easy to burn yourself out. I didn't know it would be that easy. You can't do every single little task on your own and you shouldn't it's not a good way to operate a business that was one one thing i learned for us we know each other's strengths 
as well, and it replayed to our strengths very well. And that's how we created the different roles within the three of us. So you have obviously Daniel, who's excellent at cooking. So he's in charge of his executive chef. So he makes mm-hmm. the dishes, leads the kitchen team, for example. I am quite creative, I think. I like to believe so, at least. So then I put my hand up and I said, I want to look after marketing and do that business development piece as well. So I am then doing that. And then Sarah... She has great organizational skills, so she's looking after the administration part of the business. She looks after finance, payroll, and all of the very important stuff (laughs) (laughs) as well in a business. So, yeah, I think we sat down, we really have identified those strengths. And then from then on, all of the decision-making as well, when it comes to those certain departments, we just completely take charge of it. We take full accountability Mm. and then just communicate with each other because it's not absolutely perfect. Of course, like Mm. we're still learning every single day, but I think it's being respectful of that between the three of us that Mm. yes, you'll make mistakes along the way, but that's, that's okay. Mm. Like we need to have each other's backs. With the three of you obviously doing that business plan as well. And with having the three dynamics of what each other would do, has that, evolved have your roles and responsibilities evolved and changed since you opened the brand or have you stayed pretty succinct with what you've done so far they've evolved so as the business has grown and evolved obviously the our responsibilities have grown accordingly so yeah we've tacked on a lot of additional jobs and tasks that each of the directors have to take on yeah and i think one thing as well that's quite specific to us like that's been added to our responsibilities is you need one person to look after one venue because if there's from a team perspective having three people so hands-on in one location could be a bit much so that's also what we've done so Sarah for example looks after Seddon Daniel's looking after Melbourne Central and I'm going to be looking after the Brunswick East location Mm. interesting I'm curious what you what's going to happen when you go to four (laughs) (laughs) let's put in another director (laughs) that's awesome you hinted to that but let's talk about CDMX in in Melbourne Centre on Ella how did that come about that's obviously a slightly different Mm -hmm. than Super Tudor so how did it come about and why did you call it a different thing and and Mm want to do a different kind of option there so basically we went to to Mexico and there's like a, a super abundance in these places they're called taquerias so it's a place solely set up to sell tacos, nothing more. And I think in Melbourne, so we were based mainly in a place called Ciudad de Mexico, which is Mexico City. And that's where the name CDMX comes from. It's actually an abbreviation for Ciudad de Mexico. But basically, there aren't too many places in Melbourne that are just straight up very casual taquerias. I don't want to say but like fast food. There's not many fast food Good quality taquerias. Agree. Grab and go. Very quick, rapid, rapid. Because in Mexico, they're rapid as hell, the taquerias. Mm. So that's what we wanted to bring, mm. basically. And why it's CDMX? Because I'm sure each region in Mexico has their own taco specialties. We wanted to do the ones that are the tacos in Mexico City. That's why ours is called CDMX, because we want to specialize in Mexico City-style tacos. So that's how it came about. And how did you... How, did, how long did it take to formulate that menu? Was it much different from what you were doing at Super Cheeto? Or was yeah, there some yeah. variation on what you guys were doing? Yeah, basically, we it didn't take too long because, again, these are some some recipes that I already knew. There is some variation, so we just, we wanted, yeah, we wanted, we're using different cooking techniques for some of the, the tacos. Yep. And, uh, like, I know the tacos we sell at Super Cheeto are really good, but 
we had to just take these to the next level because these we're only selling tacos. Sure, they got to be really good. Yeah, yeah. Is and obviously with the Brunswick Extra, that's how you want it, you guys want to grow the brand. Why have you decided to go down that pathway of doing sort of specialist? smaller I would imagine venues rather than doing bigger format venues like a bigger version of Super Cheeto for example and have a bigger more expensive menu yeah like we've as a business owner like at the end of the day you want to make sure that the business model is profitable so we've noticed that with Super Cheeto we what we offer is unique however in a sit-down restaurant everything is just more expensive right mm-hmm. there's more team that that is required the complexity of the food in terms of mm-hmm. prepping your food and your drinks that's a cost mm-hmm. as well so we've analyzed that and we've analyzed it versus a taqueria that's quite simple mm-hmm. that serves amazing food the overheads are definitely mm-hmm. better a lot um, yeah but you are still able to provide that joy to your customer mm. because it's still good food and it's fast as yeah. well so yeah. I suppose that's why we wanted to open another CDMX rather than another Super Cheetah. And in terms of what what's the difference between Melbourne Central and Brunswick East, this new location is bigger. So then they have the ability to sit down and actually smash those tacos <laughs> <laughs> comfortably because yeah, Melbourne yeah. Central, it's such a small space. It's very small. It's very intimate. So at Brunswick East, there will be a bar so they could sit down, drink some margaritas mm. while casually sitting down with their friends, with their families, and then turn over tables quite quickly mm. as well. Looking at those two different brands that you've now got, before you actually started them, is it a surprise to you that CDMX is leaner and easier to run, potentially more profitable than Super Cheeto? Because a lot of people, when they start hospitality brands for the first time, they think they have to be bigger, they have to Mm. be better, like they have to have a real bar service, they have to have 15 people on a shift, all these different things to be really busy, fill a space with a heap of customers, and then mm. hopefully make a heap of money at the end. But often the opposite is true, especially mm. as we're evolving into more concepts across mm. a really competitive landscape like Melbourne. Dan, did that really surprise you from what you're doing, guys are doing now? Yeah, yeah. To be honest, we didn't know any better because all we had was Super Cheetah at the time. But then when we opened up this new venue, it really opened up our eyes and made us realize that there's nothing wrong with going lean. There's nothing wrong with being more simple. Mm. And yeah, it can be more profitable by being leaner because in being simple you can be specialist right that's right and you can actually do more creative things yep. like you look at what loons do and obviously mm. with croissant right mm. like it's a classic mm. example of what you can do and exactly. just go super narrow but actually super wide with certain yeah, products exactly and it, yeah loon is a very good example absolutely nothing wrong with having a specialist menu really killing it in one two menu items nothing wrong with that people yeah. still love you totally agree Dan, if I can stay with you, like, how do you guys foster like a highly diverse team that you have within the brands and thinking about your key leadership qualities and that kind of stuff that you've got? What are some of the experiences or challenges you guys have faced with having a really diverse team, especially over two, two venues now? So good question. I'll break it down a bit. How we foster a highly diverse team, the only way we've been able to do this so well is by putting a lot of effort and really growing our leadership. They're everything to us. What I mean by that is just making sure that they're engaged, they're challenged. We empower them as much as possible. We really take care of them, make sure they're happy in their roles, keep communication high, two-way feedback, things like that. And just make sure trust and respect is earned, like we earn their trust and their feedback. So that's how we're able to have such a successful, highly diverse team. That's how we've fostered it. And in terms of the key leadership qualities, so boil it down to maybe two. I think you have to be able to manage yourself first. So what I mean by that is 
managing my time, my priorities, making sure I'm getting shit done. Am I tracking my projects? Am I planning a lot? Because if you can't manage yourself, I don't think you're going to be able to lead a team and things like that if you can't manage yourself. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then and the second one was just, so to me, leadership boils down to your ability to influence. To me, nothing more, nothing less. And how do you influence? That's like the million dollar question, right? Like, <laughs> how do you influence people? I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As am I, as am I, as am I. But I think one of the main ways you can influence people is by being a person of integrity, doing what you say, treating your team well, making sure you respect them. Because if they don't, and if they don't respect nor trust you, oh, I reckon you're gonna have a hard time influencing them. So I think that's what it that's what it boils down to in terms of leadership qualities. The ones I've really banked on. So yeah, I think I've answered okay. your question. Yeah. I've got a good follow-up, I think. You've talked a lot about trust and about leadership in that, right? And you also talked about letting go and letting other people do jobs as well. Is that something which you both knew instinctively you'd have to do at the start? Is that so? Learning about trust and saying as a leader with inside a business, especially as a business owner, to say, hey, I'm I, as a business owner, are going to earn your trust in employee who I've just hired. That's a... Not every business leader thinks like that, unfortunately. I think that's the right way to do it. That's always how I lead people. Mm. Is that something you guys grew to understand as you operated the business and saw how staff were interacting with you? Or is that something that you had to learn behavior before you actually started the business? I'm interested in both your perspectives on that. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I like to read a lot. I read a lot. Thank goodness I was able to read and absorb a lot of material and on, on leadership and things like that. But also at the very beginning... Yeah, I definitely made a lot of mistakes. You know, I definitely did things that breached the trust of, of my team, especially in the beginning. And pain teaches you. Pain's a good teacher. So that was like, oh, shit, I can't do that again and stuff. And then that's, yeah, I learned over time yeah, through experience sure. and through reading. Yeah. You. yeah, I think for myself, like, I'm quite blessed in a way that my career in Australia, I've always been in leadership roles. And my career in the last five years is in HR people and culture awesome so i think that definitely helps like hearing from other people what works what doesn't work and really practicing that every single day and everything that i learned from that job like i take to the business i, I try my best and bring bring those that works but that's it's still evolving right now like influencing our team and leading our team it's an ongoing journey it's something we want to continuously improve on yep as well it's very important to us and i hope the team feels that it's really it's something that we are passionate about so mm. i think yeah like naturally for me i've just learned it in my career over time and yeah like by making mistakes as well so i think the i think that one of the most fun funnest parts of our job is developing other people so creating leaders i think so everything we're learning we make sure that we tell the other leaders in our business it's all the mistakes we make and stuff mm -hmm. like that. We tell, leaders, we tell the other leaders, make sure you're getting the respect and trust of your team. And I, I, our team is, is very understanding because they know that we're first-time business owners too. Yeah. I, we really appreciate that as well. They know that with the decisions that we make, it may not work the first time around, but they're very understanding mm. of that. So I don't think we've ever felt like judged or they've taken that advantage they've taken advantage of that that we're first-time business owners we're quite lucky that yeah. our team has been supportive as yeah. can we talk a bit about leadership in hr is that okay yeah. is that a good place yeah. to go yeah. Oh, hell yeah in regards to the leadership stuff you just said daniel are you doing that in a informal or formal way 
So are you doing that on shift with people and telling them like learned experience and then mm-hmm. you telling them on shift or are you guys having regular meetings and then going through structured learning mm-hmm. that you've learned that week or that month? A bit of both. Okay. So I sit down with the leaders weekly and then I make sure that part of the agenda in our meetings is one feedback, things that are doing well and th- things that they could do to take their leadership game or to the next level. And also with one of our team members, we actually read together. So in, in the sense that okay. it's like we he, he has a leadership book that I've given him and then keep each other in check. Awesome. What did you learn from this chapter? How are you going to apply it? Let me know how you go. Things like that. How uh, did that start? Did someone do that with you? That's really cool. No, no one's <laughs> done it with me actually. Was no that from another book that you read to do that? <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I've had people give me books and say, yeah. oh, I'll read this and tell me what you think. Not to go to that detail because yeah. then you're really following up with someone to make sure they've read it. Yeah, I'm just like keeping them accountable. Yeah. And and this particular team member, he loves to learn as well and he's mm. very keen and it reminds me of me a little bit. So yeah, it, it's working. His eyes are lighting up when he talks about what things he've learned, he's learned and stuff like that. And there's also inf- very informal stuff too where it's, oh, I call him chef. So chef, <laughs> like we're just having a coffee and chef, like the other day I, I effed up, I did this and that. So that's what happens in this particular instance. Chef, that's what happens when you don't give feedback. It's like, you, so make sure you're continually giving your team feedback because look what I did that and that didn't work out well. I hope you learn from a mistake, Chef. Make sure you're continually giving feedback and stuff. Yeah. That's just an example of an informal time when I gave mm. learnings. I think the most impactful conversations I've ever had with people in kitchens is usually when we're prepping. Oh, mm. oh yeah, that's because you're just yeah. doing your task. Yeah. But, but you're also. You're not thinking. Especially when you're side by side, yeah. when you're not face to face, especially with guys, I found this. The most impactful conversations I have with guys is either in the kitchen where we're side by side or we can't see each other. Like we can't, we're not looking at each other directly. This is an informal conversation where all we're trying to sort through problems. Or if we're in a car together and we're both looking ahead. So I've always wanted to do a podcast where I'm recording the podcast in a car with a person next to me because mm. it will lead to a different conversation. Mm. Oh. Don't steal that idea. If you do that podcast, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> Beatrice, I want to ask you, like someone with amazing HR and people experience, I want to delve into that because it's going to be so impactful for who listens. To have three venues owned and operated and running within two years is, means you're doing like you're treating your people right, like you're bringing them up properly, you're training them successfully, you've got a great team culture. It's the only way you can do it. Walk me through how you're recruiting people how you're training people really successfully as you guys are? Yeah, a lot of our, we found a lot of success through referrals. So our team are actually quite generous with referring <laughs> their friends to, to us. And I think that's also a testament, right? Because to us, that's the biggest form of compliment. Like if our team members have brought in their friends, have brought in people that they know to work with us, mm-hmm. that to us means, we, like you said, we're doing the right thing. So I think from a recruitment point of view, we really look at the softer skills. We focus on the attitude and their, their interest in learning and growing with us. We've had experiences in the past when we've had team members that are very experienced and that have worked in hospitality for a very long time. And we've definitely learned from them. Hopefully they've learned from us as well. But it didn't quite work out very well because they had different... They, there was, they just thought differently. Sure. So I think that's one of our learnings. So we've learned that it doesn't matter how many years in hospitality you have, as long as you're willing to learn, as long as you're willing to take on feedback and you're willing to do this with us. So that's how we select the people that we work with. And in terms of building that culture, hospitality, while it's difficult and can be stressful, 
it's such a fun <laughs> industry to mm. be in. We make sure we have lots of fun. Like we celebrate a lot of milestones together. We have Christmas parties. We celebrate every birthday of every location together <laughs> as oh, well. That's so cool. Uh, so we we usually have an event for our customers, and then we have a separate one for our team. So we do that, and yeah, like just informal team catch-ups and gatherings as well. That's something we invest in because we want to make sure that. We look after a team, not just on a professional level, but on a personal level as mm. well. In terms of training the team like very well, what we've done is we get the leaders, so for example, the front house leader, the head chef, things like that, yep. to create training templates so that it's more structured and it's not you're not just playing it by ear or just doing what you feel like yep. we at least have a proper training template and stuff so we know what we've covered we know what to expound on things like that so it's a more structured organized training experience for everyone that we recruit that's smart did that how did you guys put that together did you do that internally with the team that was training or that's a lot of that is from the feedback of the leaders smart. so this is what Daniel, this is what I reckon we need to train them on. I'm like, okay, cool. So it, they're doing everything, basically. I'm just the soundboard. I'm just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just the ear that listens. But that's how we created those. It's from the skill and the experience of the leaders. Ask them what they want the team to know. Yeah, for sure. You're both obviously very successful before you came into doing this together. We've just heard, obviously, Beatrice, with your, with your skills in HR and people, like why we're getting to the point where you're why we sorry <laughs> why you're getting why you're getting to the point where you've got three venues now I want to be part of the brand you could do uh, the fourth <laughs> yeah, no problem I'll smash it I'll be there for tonight. but I'm curious Daniel I just want to ask you really directly do you think being an engineer has helped you in this space and the reason I asked that question is I found with over the decades that I've been able to work the people who are the most successful most regimented other people who come out of being a police officer or being in ambulance, they've been doing those kind of services or they've been in the army, like they know in structure. And I feel like I know a lot of engineers as well. You have to deal in project management, have to deal with structure. Do you find that has helped you coming into hospitality? Yeah, to be honest, I'm grateful I started off as an engineer because I definitely took away a lot of key learnings and experiences, which I applied. So the, I think being very process oriented has helped a lot sometimes the team are like oh there are so many processes and things like that <laughs> but i think that's why the processes exist for a reason though you know what i mean like for I'm example just speaking my language but i'm sure a lot of people are like oh just chew yeah. down now yeah, yeah. yeah for example something's gone wrong yes so the first thing i do is like, shit let's make a process <laughs> so this doesn't happen anymore there's a process for turning off a light switch yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it doesn't happen anymore yeah so that, that's one the being, being very attuned to processes and creating them. And the other one is just, yeah, like being able to manage things, manage projects well. That has definitely helped as well. It helps get shit done yep. within the business. So yes, yes, definitely keys, good things to being an engineer, opening the business. Super interesting. Beatrice, over to you. We want to talk a bit about inflation and customer habits and those kind of things. And obviously you've got two brands which have similarities, but are obviously very different as well. What strategies have you guys implemented to adapt to the changes as people start to tighten their belts yes. a tiny bit? How have you seen that different at both Super Cheeto and, and CDMX? Yeah, I think consumer behaviour definitely has changed. More so, I think, for Super Cheeto rather than CDMX. And the way that we're able to really retain the customers and continue to attract customers at the moment is by focusing on that customer experience more than anything. We want to make sure that 
you're getting your money's worth when you visit <laughs> Super Cheeto or at CDMX as mm. well. We've done some weekly specials at Super Cheeto. We have a special every Monday, every Wednesday, and a Thursday and Sunday as well. And the way that we've created those specials is we've highlighted a dish that is popular and then we put it on a discount, which is quite common anyway. But what we've also done is we wanted to go above and beyond to what we currently offer. So on your birthday, you get a free margarita on us Sick. at Super Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of giveaways too. So we try and make it fun, focusing on that customer experience, making sure that when they leave that venue, even though the prices have increased a little bit because of inflation, they would not complain about it or they would feel like it's still worth it. I'd still want to come back to this location. So I think that's the biggest thing that we've focused on. Do you find people eating less? Drinking less. Interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so they still, they definitely still eat probably the same way that they were eating in the past. Probably not as frequent anymore, but I'm noticing that people are spending still on food, but not as much on drinks. So in the past, someone can order up to three or four margaritas in one sitting, yeah, right. plus a couple of tequila probably. But now you'd see that they're a bit more, how do you say it? It's like probably one or two margaritas and then that's it. Interesting. Mm. Okay. So how were you thinking about that as you move forward? Because Super Cheeto would obviously have larger groups and that kind of stuff which go there. CDMX is obviously a lot more grab and go and that kind of thing. You got, you've got alcohol at CDMX yes. as well? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Are you doing jugs, cocktail jugs mm. to balance that? Are you thinking about other beverages in a different way to get better deals or anything like that? Like, how are you thinking about it? Yeah, look, I think for Super Cheeto, we have a margarita Thursday. So it's $15 cool. margaritas Thirsty all night. Thursday. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So that's how, that for, in terms of Super Cheeto, that's how we're retaining them and that's how we're balancing it out. Because on a Thursday, you we get a lot of foot traffic. And people mm. really want to spend on a Thursday night. So that sort of balances out your normal Monday and Tuesday trade. And for CDMX, we, I think we'll just learn as we go. Brunswick is, it's a brand new site. We are expecting that people might spend a bit more because it's a brand new location. Everyone will be so excited to try everything. Mm. And then once we've really understood, once we've had a really good understanding of who our customers are, what they want, then we'll just probably introduce specials or make a new strategy altogether. Yeah really interesting so what's your gut feel on how people are going to shop brunswick east because i imagine if they go to set in they're probably staying there for a couple of hours they're probably going in a group of four or five mm. having three four margaritas like walking home like they live in yarraville or something mm. something close by cdmx is a lot different it's a lot more transient it's right next mm. to melbourne central brunswick east is a in like in between both almost yes. isn't it yes. do you think people are going to stay there have tacos have one margarita and then go and bar hop or restaurant hop like what you got feel yeah i think that's what that's definitely possible the advantage of brunswick east versus seren is brunswick east is a destination mm -hmm. people go to brunswick east to have dinner and drinks mm -hmm. whereas seren we found it's very community based mm -hmm. we have a lot of locals that love us and appreciate us which mm -hmm. we're grateful for but they're the biggest customers that we have our community we do get frequent travelers as well we drive all the way to Seddon to try our food wow. but yeah it's very community focused Seddon with Brunswick East it's definitely I think at least we don't know yet but it might be a 50-50 split like you we are going to be in front of um, apartment buildings mm. so we still have that residential 
community focus, but because Brunswick East is such a trendy suburb, you also get your your foodies mm-hmm. that will come and would not mind a cup of tacos probably before or after they drink in the other <laughs> bars. But we're hoping that they would stay at CDMX and, and have dinner and drinks as well. Sure. You might also have an increasing takeaway, I would imagine. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's interesting. Let's talk about what mark you both are trying to leave on the hospitality industry. Like you're pretty early in your hospitality journey, but you've done so much so far. What do you think you're trying to leave here for the industry? I think one of the main things is we really, we hope that we have like our customers or sorry, Melbournians have appreciated authentic Mexican cuisine a lot more. And we really want to, we hope that we've educated them on, on how amazing Mexican food can be. And we've unveiled like the mystery behind it. <laughs> I think that's really the mark that we want to leave. And I, as, as business owners, we, none of us, the three of us, we actually don't have extensive hospitality experience. And I think us being in business hopefully will inspire other people and will make other people feel that, oh, it's okay. Like maybe I could do it as well. I have Mm. passion and I think I'm good at what I do. I have the right attitude and I have the right mindset. Hopefully people, it won't stop people from not trying. At least if someone's out there that's always wanted to open their own business, but is scared because they don't have enough experience or they don't know where to begin. We were in exactly the same place, like in 2020 and 2021. And thankfully, we've pushed through and that the business is growing. So it's not impossible Mm. at all. What what advice, that is a good one, good call. What advice would you give people who haven't been in the hospitality industry? Maybe they've worked at a cafe for a couple of years during uni and that kind of stuff. And they get to a point in their late 20s, they want to open something. They've got an amazing couple or amazing person in the family. They want to do something together. What advice would you give them around that? Because what I'm hearing today is like the vulnerability coming through with both of you. But that's a positive because then your staff are Mm. obviously feeling that this is your true authentic Mm. self. And that's been the reason why they've worked so hard for you and the reason why you're at three venues in two years Mm. is because in part of that vulnerability, I think. Do you think it's actually a benefit the fact that you had a little bit of experience but not a whole heap of experience in hospitality before coming through? Yeah, do I? I was going to say, I think the advice that we'd give mm. i think definitely get some a little bit more experience in hospitality it doesn't hurt to have a bit more before we opened up i got some shifts at a cafe to really make sure that i see it it's, and see how it really works and yeah, stuff it's it. not good to be naive and think oh, yeah, i need absolutely zero experience if you can get some experience it will definitely help sure so definitely some advice is get some experience before mm. you open up if you can try and find mentors that helps a lot too. People that have open businesses, even better people that are hospitality veterans, that helps a lot too. But if you could find mentors, they'll, they will share some secrets, they'll share some learnings. We didn't really have any mentors. I wish, I wish we had some. If you could try, go ahead and get some mentors. Mm. You know, go and ask. What else would you, what I'd other advice would you give? Be gentle with yourself. I think it's an important one because you will make a lot of mistakes and you will definitely stuff up like financially as well because like I said we've never really had any extensive hospitality experience so there are going to be decisions where in which machine do you go for the affordable machine or the good quality machine like Mm. financially you will make mistakes Mm. team wise you will make mistakes processes wise you'll make mistakes so be gentle with yourself and just know that it's going to be an ongoing (laughs) learning journey for you but it's okay 
It's okay. And definitely a support group would help. We're lucky because there's the three of us. Mm-hmm. We're not alone in it, so we have each other. But yeah, so probably the advice is if you can get a business partner that you trust, that you'd be willing to really work with 24-7, <laughs> go for it. Like definitely yeah. find a partner in crime. <laughs> I think another one is to not stop learning. You'll have to keep learning throughout the journey. Yeah. And as things grow, as your business grows... I guess the expectations from you and the responsibilities you take on will grow too. And the knowledge you don't know will probably, no, will increase. So you got to step up to the plate and keep learning about everything. Everything, yeah. Good shout. It's been so fantastic to have you both on the podcast today. Especially, always get super excited when people are on the start of their hospitality journey. <laughs> and then at the end of the podcast, I'm like, these guys are going to smash it. And then I'm looking forward to maybe next year or the year after, like we come back again and we talk about how successful you guys have been now. Hopefully, you've done 10 of these now. Yes. Um, so, what's the best way that people can find out about Super Cheeto and CDMX? Obviously, we've got a third venue open now. Yes. So, where can they come down? Yeah, look, definitely follow us on Instagram. So at underscore Super Cheeto and at double underscore CDMX. So Super Cheeto is based in Charles Street in Seddon and then CDMX at Ella Precinct in Melbourne Central. And our brand new location is at CDMX Ligon Street, Brunswick East. Awesome. Yes. Can't wait to come down. Thank you so much for being on this journey, on this podcast with me. Well done on everything you're doing. And as always, those are linked up in the show notes of this podcast. So you can go and visit them at Super Cheeto and CDMX. Beatrice, Daniel, thanks so much for your time. Thanks Thank for having you. us, man. Crazy experience. Thank you. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I know you really enjoyed that one, especially as we delved into so many important topics around leadership and around people and around growing venues responsibly and sustainably. So make sure you check out the guys and go down soon. As always, please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. This is an industry podcast, so we need you to share along so we can keep doing what we're doing. Until next time, stay well, everyone. Hospo is all about connection with your customers and your team. But what if your tools could also connect? That's where Square comes in. Square for restaurants connects your front of house to your back of house, your team to their schedules, and connects new revenue streams with your marketing to reach new customers. Whether you have one location or many, Square has everything your business needs to connect your vision to reality. Learn more by visiting square.com slash restaurants.